now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. I read on social media this morning someone describing the weather as drich, a good Scottish word. So welcome to a drich Sunday morning in Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally. On the programme today, tell me what you're thinking as the Prime Minister finally throws in the towel. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. Also, between now and midday, I'll be discussing Scotland's plans for a 20 pence bottle return deposit with a brewery boss who's calling the scheme deeply flawed and open to fraud. And there are claims we're facing a health crisis because people are getting caught short when they're out and about. And what we've got is a civilised society that seems to think it's okay for people to relieve themselves because there aren't any toilets. The Royal Society for Public Health says one in five people have stopped going out because public toilets are being closed to save cash. I want to hear what it's like where you live. This is Scotland's Talking. The phone lines are open now. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking. The podcast. I won't be talking Brexit as such. You know, before we, we you know, turn you off totally, won't be talking Brexit. Um, can't talk about that because the polling booths are not closed yet throughout Europe. So it's a law that broadcasters can't talk about the action. So I'm not, all right? So we can't take your calls on, on Brexit as such. But on Friday, the Prime Minister finally gave in to pressure from sections of the Tory party and everywhere else who have been trying to drag it out of Downing Street for months. She was closing the door before any of them got in, refusing to have meetings with her ministers in case they threw at the back door. Anyway, she'll be resigning as a party leader in just under two weeks' time, triggering a leadership contest. What a contest already, eh? What was it? Seven already throwing their hats into the ring. And apart from a couple of them, never heard of the rest of them. Anyway, for a politician who's been mocked for her robotic style, her resignation speech showed... She does have a human side. Back in 2016, we gave the British people a choice. Against all predictions, the British people voted to leave the European Union. I feel as certain today as I did three years ago that in a democracy, if you give people a choice, you have a duty to implement what they decide. I have done my best to do that. I negotiated the terms of our exit and a new relationship with our closest neighbours, that protects jobs, our security and our union. I have done everything I can to convince MPs to back that deal. Sadly, I have not been able to do so. I tried three times. I believe it was right to persevere, even when the odds against success seemed high. But it is now clear to me that it is in the best interests of the country for a new Prime Minister to lead that effort. For many years, the great humanitarian Sir Nicholas Winton, who saved the lives of hundreds of children by arranging their evacuation from Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia through the kinder transport, was my constituent in Maidenhead. At another time of political controversy, a few years before his death, he took me to one side at a local event and gave me a piece of advice. He said, never forget that compromise is not a dirty word. Life depends on compromise. He was right. 
Our politics may be under strain, but there is so much that is good about this country. So much to be proud of. So much to be optimistic about. I will shortly leave the job that it has been the honour of my life to hold. The second female Prime Minister, but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. So she'd been Prime Minister for nearly three years. So how will history remember her time at number 10? What do you think? Will it be the failure to deliver Brexit? Or will it be for being the Prime Minister who called an election and then lost her majority? Or maybe for her dodgy dancing? And the time she lost her voice, well, the set collapsed around her at the party conference. Quite a few things there, but probably not what she wants to be remembered for. So where do we go now then? And who do you want to replace her? What's your thoughts? As I say, there's seven of them thrown their hat into the ring uh, at the moment. Um, And the commentators all seem to think that, um, and the bookies seem to think that... um, Boris is in the lead. Would he be good for the country? Would he be good for Brexit? Would he be good for Scotland? What about the others? Who would you be looking to replace as Prime Minister? Obviously, replacing as a leader of the Conservative Party, but immediately walking right into the Prime Minister's role. Here's the number, 0333 2020 401. What is your thoughts on what's been going on? Let's go to John. Good morning, John. A very, very dreek day in Dundee. Dreek indeed. Dreek indeed. All over, I think. Yes. So what's your point on this then? What do you think? Well, it, it's, I, I look at three things, Ali. Basically, it's we've been waiting a long time for uh, Miss Theresa May, that the Prime Minister, to throw the towel in, basically. And she's been told by the 1922 committee, it's about time that you, you left the ring. Mm-hmm. So what I'm asking is, is three questions, and I think listeners would be enjoying this. Cat lovers all over the UK, what will happen to Larry the Cat number 10? Will he be retired? Allegedly, Boris is not a cat lover. Or is the other eight that threw their hat in the ring up to now, are they cat lovers as well? Mm. So the main thing that's worrying you about this whole country being in the mess it's in is the cat. Well, the thing is, the cat was there to catch rats. <laughs> Didn't cut. Well, no, I won't go there. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting one. I think the the cat belongs more to number ten than uh, some of the others will. And there's no saying at this point that we'll, it's going to be Boris that goes there anyway. We'll just watch this space. Watch this and, space, and that's indeed. all one can do, Ali. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much, indeed, John. The cats. Philip, hello. Hi, uh, I do, Ali. How are you doing, man? No bad, no bad. So well, well, as they say, uh, there's an old saying they say that polit- all political careers end in failure, you know. And uh, as far as Theresa May is concerned, you kind of get a more glaring example than that. But what is there to say, Philip, that whoever takes on this role, you know, whether it's Boris, Michael Gove, or whoever, um, the Europeans are, are saying they're not going to change their mind. This, this is the way it goes, you know. That mm-hmm. so. Others who think they may be able to go over there and, and renegotiate, 
I don't think that that's going to happen. Are you quite happy well, for us to walk away with a no deal? It seems that way. Because Parliament can't agree. Three mm-hmm. times the Prime Minister tried to get a deal through Parliament and three times it was rejected. So I can't see what a change of Prime Minister is going to do. But then again, you never know. We'll have to wait and see who gets the throne, as it were. Well, if, if it's a Prime Minister that goes in that actually believes, who is a lever, you know, who, who says, right, let, let's go here. Because, let's face it, Theresa May, I, I, maybe she was the wrong person to be in the job in the first place because she wanted to remain... Now, she may be saying all the right things in public, but she wasn't actually pushing them. Okay, she may have thought she went to to get the vote three times, but could she have tried harder when she was over there? I honestly think she didn't want to become Prime Minister when David Cameron jacked it in. I think she actually got it thrust on her. And uh, I think she was more or less in the same position as David Cameron, where she was a remainder, but the country voted to leave. Right. So she was dead in the water right from the start. She was up against it, as it Mm. were. I, I, we keep talking and we keep hearing about this um, no deal, leaving with no deal. And if we did that, we would not be paying Europe the, the huge amount of money that we're, we're supposedly due to pay them. It's, mm. it's like some people have said, well, if you leave a club, you don't keep the benefits. But if you leave a club, you don't leave a big check as you're going out the door, do you? Um, That's right. But the, the, the no deal situation, I don't, I, I don't know enough about it, but... I was interviewing a managing director of a, a very large uh, international company um, who said the moment that we come out with no deal, 10% increase on prices on most things will happen. He was talking about cars, and he said from the, mo- from the minute that we say that's us, we're out, it will be 10% on prices right away because that's what they'll have to, bring, they'll have to pay to bring uh, vehicles into this country. So are, are we prepared for these increase in prices, if that's what will happen? Well, who can say? The jury's out on that, are we? Would you, again, would you like uh, a, a referendum again? Uh, what would be the point, Ali? I mean, let's, so let's assume hypothetically another referendum uh, took place. This time the outcome was reversed and uh, the, the country decided to remain. You get high also protest from those who leave. Going to be all calling foul. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you're, you're sort of between a rock and a hard place. Really. We'd be as desi- divided as ever. Uh, yeah, probably even worse. Mm-hmm. And out of the seven that have uh, thrown their hats in the ring so far, is it too early for you to choose one as to who you would recommend for the the role of prime minister? Well, what I'm, I've had strong feelings about this before, Ali. Um, We've had going to have three prime ministers inside a decade. You know this this fixed term parliament's a joke. You know, in, in other countries, you know, when a, when a prime minister resigns or steps down, right, the whole government steps down with them, and they go to the country. Mm-hmm. And you, I, well, I don't think. That, well, I certainly wouldn't argue against you on that one because the country are, are getting a prime minister, a leader, in fact, that they haven't voted for. That's right. We're getting another unelected Prime Minister. This is what makes this present election system a joke. It should be changed. OK, thank you very much indeed, Philip, for your views. Uh, as always, the phone lines are there if you'd like to give me yours. 033 is the number. What's your thoughts 
about what's been uh, going on in uh, Downing Street and Westminster in general this week. Prime Minister's resignation this morning up to seven. It's maybe up to eight by now, as we've been on air for 20 minutes now, um, have thrown their hats in the ring. Everybody seems to be doing that. Yes, I'll have a go. Yes, I'll have a go. Uh, what are your thoughts on that. Uh, ways that you can contact, as always, you can text. Text number is 61054. Uh, start your message with Ali. Email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Uh, the phone number, that's the one we want you to use. Come on and talk to us. 033-2020-401. And of course, we're on Twitter as well. Hashtag Scotland's Talking. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin. Jack's in Edinburgh. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Good morning to you. Right, what's your views on the current state of our political world then? Well, apart from the fact that it's just an absolute shambles, um, I don't think nothing's going to change. It doesn't matter who's in who's in power. Um, I don't think whoever comes in will do a better or worse job than Theresa May. If I'm honest, why is that? Because really because they've got nowhere to go. Well, to cut a long story short, they don't live in the same world as you and I. We're hardworking. They, I'm not denying that they work hard, whatever, but they get paid handsomely and their bonuses and whatever else. But they need to be brought down a peg or two, come out to work with you or I, and see what it's like for the hardworking male or female. You know, get in the real world and stop living in this bubble. Um, I just, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's they, they don't, they don't care about the working person or just the, the, the normal human being. You know, we're not the ones that are getting hundreds of thousands of pounds a year um, for you know sitting there just moaning and groaning at Westminster. It's uh, so I, I don't see what a change in personnel is going to make, whether it be Boris Johnson or. Andrea Leighton, it's not going to make any difference. And and do you see that, um, what you've been describing there, do you see that, Jack, as applying to all MPs of all parties? The, the, Absolutely. Yeah? Whether it's up here, Nicola, Nicola Sturgeon, she's no better or worse. She's another one that's full of wind. They, they like the sound of their own voice. And it, it, they just they just do not live in the same world as you and I. And when, do, what anybody says. But when do you think this happens to them then? Because, um, you know, they, they've, they've stood for election. Um, the people in their constituency have decided they are the people that will represent them. They, they know, surely they know what their constituents um, um, are, the conditions that they're living in, where they live, etc. So when does this change, do you think, take place in a person who becomes an MP or an MSP? the gift of the gab, if that's what you want to call it. They've got to have the gift of the gab. And they've got to sell a product to an individual to try and get people on side. But let's be honest about it. It's easier said than done. It's, you know, it's all this making promises you can't can't keep and whatever. It's just they've got to sell a product in order to get people on side. And once they're elected, it makes no odds. Once they're in power, they're in power. There's, you know, the damage is done in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's just it's an absolute shambles, and I I don't know what the future holds now. To be honest, it just it's it's one of those people talking about Boris Johnson. Well, 
I Boris Boris is no better or worse than anybody else. I think he just acts the goat. I think he likes to be the kind of class clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you um, do you want a prime minister as a class clown, or the class clown to be prime minister? I just don't, I don't think he's as stupid as he makes out. I really don't. But I don't see him being any better or worse than Theresa May or whoever is going to be next in line. I, I don't see any change. I don't see any difference. Okay, Jack, it doesn't matter who you put in as far as Jack's concerned. It's, um, they've still got the same problems to sort out. Thank you for your call, Jack. Thanks for calling in. Uh, just looking at this text here that says, What a sham. Britain is the laughing stock of the world. Uh, no name on that, but thank you very much indeed for your comment. Anyway, um, let's go to Joseph next. Joseph, how are you? Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Ali, as I said, your last caller there spoke the truth. Of having it's just one big shambles. These MPs that were voted in by the constituents, the ones that voted to leave and then the MP has voted to remain, he, he's not listening to his, his, his voters or the people's vote, Ali. These people are sitting in Westminster and all doing it. And I can't understand why these people have got millions of pounds. There's nothing else to do with their time. Get the right people in here that knows how people live and where they come from, the poverty and where they're living. But do we get, get do we get those people standing for Parliament, whether it's a Scottish or the or the, I, the UK one? That's surely that's the whole thing. It's you know. Yes, Alec, Yes, but, but I can't understand why these people with all these millions of pounds. But as I said, they've got the money, so they've nothing else to do. Get voted in, Ali, and then what do they do? They get in there and they go turn against the, the people's votes just to suit themselves, Ali. This doesn't get the country anywhere uh, going against each other. They're supposed to be there to fight for the people, not themselves, Ali. That that's, what's happened. that's what's happened today, Ali. They're, they're not listening. Even Nicola Sutton is the same, Ali. She's got this big thing across her brow, independence. She's not listening. Why? The country's running down, I know, Ali. It's not just England, Ireland and Wales. Scotland's running down and all through Nicola Sutton, I know, which she's not doing for the people either. So no politician, as far as you're concerned, and our last caller, are listening to, to the people? Yeah, that's correct, Ali. They're not okay. listening to the people. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got things for, for Westminster, and she's not... Uh, time with one, time to, to Scotland, which she's got. She's got 13 things to do, and she's not put one on the table yet, Ali, for the people of Scotland. She's running... She, her Westminster has given her authority, but she's not doing it, Ali. OK, thank you very much indeed, Joseph. A couple of thoughts there about politicians. And uh, I must admit, there's a couple of times over the last several years that I've been doing this show that I listen to politicians spouting off about what they're going to do and knowing that, you know, their party hasn't a hope in heck of becoming in charge. Um, and they will do this, they will do that, they will do that. And they get back in, but there, there's no chance of them doing that anyway, sir, because they're, they're not going to get into power. So... There are politicians and um, people who want to be politicians do promise the earth and, and maybe just don't come up with the goods. But we still haven't really answered the question, where do we go from now? Uh, it would seem, from our views so far, and I'm just looking at some more of them uh, coming through on social media, it would seem that the, the thoughts are that we're not going to be any better off no matter who it is. But surely if you get someone who is a, a lever and then we'll decide, I suppose, like Boris, he has said, we will leave and we will leave with no deal if that's what it takes. But what is that no deal going to do to the UK as a whole? 
0333-2020-401. And is Boris or Michael Gove really the only two contenders? I know there's seven so far, but are those the two that are going to be fighting it out at the front? I'd love to hear if you are um, a, a, a Scottish Tory, you know, if you are a member, not even necessarily a member of the Conservative Party in, in Scotland, but if that's who you support and and. Everybody's different, so, you know, no matter who you support, who would you like to see? If you are a member of the Tory party, who will you be voting for? Who's going to do the best for the UK and who's going to do the best for Scotland as far as the Conservative Party members are concerned? Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And the word of the day today we've decided is Dreek. Okay, so it's Dreek today. Uh, when you're out walking, whether it's Dreek or sunshine, do you struggle to find somewhere to spend a penny when you're out and about? A report claims our health is being put at risk because of a lack of public toilets. Around half have closed in Scotland since the year 2000, quite often due to council cutbacks. And the Royal Society for Public Health says they're a soft target because there's nothing in the law which forces local authorities to provide public conveniences. Dr Rosalind Stanwell-Smith wrote the report. What we found alarmingly, and I don't think this has been properly recorded before, that um, a fair proportion of people um, do not go out in case they um, can't find a toilet. Other people will restrict their drinking in case they can't find a toilet. And and both of these are really bad for health. I mean, not going out when we're trying to get people taking more exercise is is a worry. And deliberate dehydration is really bad for your kidneys. And what we realised was a fundamental problem is that nobody really wants to pay for them. And this is an issue that goes right back to when we, the heyday of public toilets, and I'm sure listeners will remember when um, that some of the beautiful old um, antique toilets were put. They probably assumed that at that time there was a law that made them um, required. In fact, nobody ever bothered to make this legally required. And that's the problem. So if you want to go out to a park or to get some nice healthy exercise, um, I mean, one of the first things, you've got a family with you. Are, is there anywhere for um, changing nappies? Is there anywhere for children to go? And increasingly, children are being encouraged to relieve themselves in, in, in parks and so on. And what we found was a lot of people have witnessed public urination going on. And what we've got is a civilised society that seems to think it's OK for um, people to relieve themselves because there aren't any toilets and it just seems to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's been called by Rose George, who was a writer on this, the barometer of civilization. Mm. So that was Dr. Rosalind Stanwell-Smith, who wrote the report on this. And, and I think Rosalind's got a, a very good point there. You know, when you, when you do, I mean, you used to go out and you, you could stop if you're driving, not even just over a walk, you know, if you're driving around and you're on a long drive, you know, that's, um, you're looking for somewhere to go to the loo and not always there. And it has got worse. But there are places in Scotland where the locals have fought back to keep their public toilets open. When North Ayrshire Council announced plans to close all the toilets on the Isle of Cumbrae, they were taken over by a community group. Suki McGregor has the job of looking after them and calls herself the Kludgy Cleaner. And now when you go into the toilets around the island, you'll find hanging baskets, vases of flowers 
and pictures on the wall. Suki joins us now. Good morning, Suki. Have I caught you in the middle of rearranging your flowers? Well, yes, actually, you've not... But you've caught me. I'm just outside the clutches at the, the ferry slip. I've started my rounds already. So why did you decide to do this? Um, I am actually paid to... It is a paid uh, part-time job, and it was a Cumbria Community Development Company that uh, took over the toilets as an asset transfer from North Ayrshire Council, who have closed, they've down from 45 toilets to nine. So on the Isle of Cumbria, we have six public toilets. And I'm telling you, I've got the best job in the world, driving around this beautiful little island, taking in all the wildlife and making the toilets nice for the visitors. Um, for example, in the, during the, the Easter break there, over four days, the Isle of Cumbria had 29,000 visitors. Wow. And, and, and people just, you know, they come here to do sponsored walks, sponsored cycles. So it's really important to have the toilets here. I have to say, and I'm going to plead guilty to this, I've never been to the Isle of Cumbria. So what? I know, I know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, I think of myself as well travelled across Scotland and when I'm talking to people on the phones, I like to be able to picture where they are. Uh, that's why I do go to a lot of places, but I have never it's, been to the Isle of Cumbria magical and it's tropical and the great thing about it is it's mostly on the flat so that's why it's really accessible to uh, all sorts of people it's only ten and a half miles round and uh, you know it's a great place to walk for families or go round your first bicycle ride it's uh, it's very easy for people and also I do like to, as you said I do have the hanging basket the flowers and things I do like to put wee touches um, so I, I try to make a point of always having fresh flowers in the gents and hand cream because you just don't expect it and it's those nice wee touches that people appreciate. It's not very often you get hand cream and gents, is it? Unless, I know. Unless I you're awfully posh. Um, so I actually do what's called a bog vlog. Um, I've got a Facebook page, the Cumbria Cludgy Cleaner, and I kind of do videos of people <laughs> going to the toilet. Right. So uh, having seen the report come out by RSPH, um, I did do a wee bit of interviewing with a couple of people just to ask them what they thought about uh, if there weren't any toilets, would it be stricter? I mean, it's not so bad for men, but for older ladies, you know, if we go to squat down, we end up with uh, jaggy bums from the nettles. Um, I was thinking of ordering a shiwi. Have you heard of a shiwi, Ali? Yes, I actually got sent one once. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually seen one, and I hear that it allows a woman to pee up against the wall. Would that be right? That's very true. Yes, if if that's what your wish is. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure a lady would far rather go to one of your loos. Do you, I take it from the visitors that come to the island, you get a good reaction then? A really good reaction. I mean, the, the, the thing is, actually, people donate uh, hand creams and perfumes and uh, dispensers for me to put in the toilet. So there's been a huge support um hand towels from the cafes. There's actually a strange situation here that there are a couple of cafes here that don't have toilets. Oh, right. I think it actually goes back to some kind of building thing that if they were built originally built and didn't have a toilet, then there's no space to put one in because it was originally built without a toilet. So that's, you know, that that's obviously imperative for the continuation of those uh, businesses that there are public toilets nearby that are open. Well, well done to you and well done to, to the organisation that have got you going round there and making them clean. You certainly um, did your bit this morning for tourism on the Isle of Cumbria, I would think. I really think there should be toilet tourism. I know, I know uh, Rossi has their Victorian toilets. 
Um, but the only thing with the toilets here is that there is no income. I mean, it is for the CCDC that they're trying to do a campaign, a Just Giving campaign to raise money to keep them going because we, do, we don't charge at all. So they would be good to have some kind of toilet tax somewhere. What about just a collecting can sitting there? Do you think it would get nicked? Um, well, we've, a- we've actually put, I've been putting in over the last few days QR codes in, so you can scan it with your phone and donate. When you have collecting tins, it's more like just pennies and the pennies don't really add up to much. Especially the toilets I'm sitting outside just now at the ferry slip. For some crazy reason, they're a holding tank instead of a septic tank, which means it costs us £750 a time for a tanker to come over and empty out the 11,500 litres of waste. Right. So there is, a, there is fairly heavy costs involved. Are, I mean, we are looking to try and get that turned into a septic tank, but there are all sorts of costs, Scottish water, uh, electricity course, yes. and plumber and things. <laughs> Susie, thank you very much indeed. I've got to stop there because we've got to get up to the news at 11 o'clock, but thank you very much indeed for joining us. And remember, every penny makes a pound. <laughs> thank you. Come thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. So far, we've been talking about the state of politics in the UK and, of course, the Prime Minister resigning on Friday and who just might uh, come out, uh, as we've heard in the news there. Michael Gove has now officially said yes. Uh, He officially said last night yes, according to to the BBC News. Then it seemed to, no, he didn't, and then he has this morning. Uh, So he's throwing his hat in the ring as well. So getting your comments on that, still time to give us your thoughts. If you have just joined us, uh, then uh, thank you for doing that and your thoughts are more than welcome on the state of politics in this country. We've also been talking about toilets and when you go and spend a penny when you're out and about. How difficult is it? Thank you to Susie McGregor on the Isle of Cumbry just before the news there. She uh, was telling us about the the toilets there. And I've got a, a, a note in from Robert McGowan and he says, I live on Butte, a tourist resort, public toilets at the pier and in Discovery Centre when it's open. Uh, next one's two and a half miles away. Not very welcoming to visitors um, pubs when open not in favour of comfort stops without purchases yeah I know and there are a lot of places like that and before you even walk through a door there's a sign on the door saying uh, toilets for customers only <laughs> no buggies don't come in if you're not going to spend a lot of money I, I just you know I'm sorry but if, if you're in retail you take the good with the bad you don't put loads of notices on your door before you can get a customer through there so don't do this don't don't walk in. Ask permission. So I know I know where you're going from there, right? Um, so keep those calls coming in. We'll be talking about the the position that we're looking at regarding um, bottles and getting your money back. We'll talk about them in a moment. Donald wants to say a few words. So Donald, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Morning, Donald. What would you like to talk about? I just feel sorry for Theresa May. She was crying and all that. Yeah, did you really believe the crocodile tears? Uh, I didn't. I, yes, I did. And I, and I thought it was... Uh, the way she got treated, I thought it was uh, te- terrible uh, the way she got treated. And I thought it would have been a lot better than they, they treated her, you know. But her time was up and she wasn't going. Um, she seemed to think that she could hang on, it would seem. And and let's face it, politicians, particularly in the Conservative Party, her party will be looking after their own jobs and the 
they could say that the longer she hung on, the longer, the, the less chance they would get to keep their seat. So, you know, I can understand her getting emotional. I mean, she doesn't normally do emotion. Um, but I, I understand her getting emotional at that particular part. But uh, 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 interesting that you're the first person that I've heard from that says they feel sorry for her. Uh, because she, I, I didn't think she did nothing wrong, Ali, honestly. Really? She worked, she worked really hard. She worked hard, and she yes, did. Yes, she did. Yeah, you think she did what she could have done. It was like, yes, you could. yeah, um, we've had a couple of callers saying that who's going to do any different, who's going to do any better. Um, they have the same situation facing them. Uh, the, you know, the Europe are saying they're not budging. That is it. So um, who would you uh, would like to see as the next prime minister then? I would like to see Alex Salmond. Alex Salmond? Yes. Right, well, he would have a problem there as he doesn't have a seat in Westminster, but um, thank you very much indeed, uh, Donald, for your thoughts there. Alex Salmond, quarter past 11 is the time. Um, we'll be talking about... Uh, in fact, let's let's just go into talking about bottles now where we get us up a couple of calls lined up. Uh, Scotland's plans to bring in a cashback scheme for bottle recycling. What do you think of this? Was it just a, a, a knee-jerk reaction by the, the Scottish government to bring in some money and look as if they're doing something? It's not a new idea, of course. We probably all remember the days of returning glass bottles to the local shop to get a few pence back. But under the, the latest plans, it would be extended to plastic bottles and drinks cans as well. And the amount you'll get back has gone up to 20 pence. Now, the Scottish government say it's a key part of their plans for increasing recycling, cutting back on single-use plastic and tackling climate change. So if it worked well in the past, what was wrong with trying it again? If it worked well in the past, why did we stop it in the first place? Jenny Hume is the campaign manager at Have You Got The Bottle, which has been lobbying to, to bring in the scheme. Jenny, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. What what was the the the, uh, the thoughts behind bringing this back? Then why were you you know looking to get this done? I worked for a charity called the Association for the Protection of Rural Scotland, and our members wanted to see more action to decrease the amount of litter they were seeing in Scotland's beautiful places. And they could see that deposit return systems worked really well in forty five places across the world, and they wanted to call on the Scottish government to introduce one here to try and tackle the issue of litter, as well as increase recycling. Right. So, um, obviously, you, you're, your members going around, seeing all the plastic, seeing all the bottles, thinking there's something could be done about this. Why did we, can, Do you have any idea why we got rid of it in the first place? I think part of the issue was that we didn't have a national system in place. Mm -hmm. So, while we had some companies who were asking for, for people to bring their bottles back, it wasn't the norm because it was only some bottles, whereas this is going to be a national system that applies to most drinks containers. Sorry, there's going to be an airport announcement now. <laughs> uh, this, this is going to be a national system that applies to most containers, so it's going to be much easier for people to get into the habit of returning them all to the shop. Right. And what about the views? Um, it, it may be for government to sort this out, but what, it, what about the, the thoughts that some of these recycling areas is going to be... Um, large supermarkets that are going to benefit from this. It's going to be against the, the corner shop who no doubt sell a lot of cans and uh, bottles and have nowhere to put big machines or, or indeed anywhere to store bottles. 
Well, I think that's why the government has decided that all shops and takeaways that sell bottles and cans will be required to take them back because firstly that will make it most accessible for most people in Scotland and secondly it will help to share the load amongst all retailers so it won't just be one shop that's ending up with loads and loads of bottles and cans. The other thing is it's actually in some ways quite good for smaller retailers to be included because it will help to increase or help to drive footfall to them rather than people only being able to return in big supermarkets and therefore doing most of their shopping when they go to return their empties. So you must be fairly chuffed that this has come about then were you were you expecting it was it going down that route or did it come out of the blue for you we're delighted and no it didn't come out of the blue the scottish government ran trials for this in 2012 so there's been a lot of thought and research put into whether or not this is the right thing for scotland to do uh the first minister then committed to it in september 2017 so we know that zero waste scotland and the scottish government have been doing a lot of research since then and we've been trying to work with them to provide as much evidence as possible as well. So it wasn't a surprise, but we're certainly delighted with the announcement. And i just ask you uh, again, I'm not sure whether you can uh, provide any more information on this, but what about the, yeah. the, the scare stories that I see anyway, that um, that's how I would put them in, in the, mm-hmm. the fact that, um, you know, this is not going to work because uh, industry doesn't want it. It's not going to work because if you go across the border, it won't work over there. Manufacturers are going to have bottles and cans that are labelled made in Scotland or for Scotland only. Um, it's There's a lot of people not getting behind this, isn't there? Well, we're hearing a lot of that in the media, but there are actually a lot of people who are very supportive of it as well. So, for example, we have a coalition of more than 100 organisations who support deposit return, and that includes organisations like the NFRN, which represent independent retailers. And they've been backing this for a long time. They've just been saying, please listen to us for, you know, we want to work with the Scottish government so it works in a way that suits us. and they are indeed on the implementation advisory group that meets once a month with the Scottish Government. So, you know, these voices are definitely being heard in the decision-making process. We also have producers. We've got about eight breweries who are part of our coalition, and they've been on board with it because they want to get their bottles back. Mm-hmm. It's expensive for them to not be able to get them back. Um, so there's, there is actually a lot of support from industry. In terms of borders... We obviously hope that the rest of the UK will follow the Scotland model and come on board with this as soon as possible. Um, but we know there are places in the world that operate a deposit return system where the neighbouring country doesn't. So, for example, Estonia has a deposit return system and it borders with Latvia, which doesn't. And they've managed to come up with solutions to try to prevent and minimise any cross-border fraud. And then in terms of labelling there probably will have to be separate labels um, while we have one in Scotland and not the rest of the UK. But some drinks producers actually already sell their drinks at different prices in England and Scotland. So they're already making, some of them are making different labels already. So, you know, it's it's just a decision they'll have to make. Okay, well, there's another announcement and uh, it might be yours. <laughs> Jen, Jenny, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, bye bye. Campaign manager with uh, at have a have you got the bottle? Uh, I'd also hope to chat to Gerald uh, Mitchell, who runs Aaron Brewery, and who he has some thoughts on 
on this scheme, but unfortunately we've been unable to get a hold of him uh, so far this morning. But if we can, then we'll get him onto the programme. What are your thoughts? Is, you know, taking it, is it going to be more problems and more bother than it's worth getting 20 pence back? Or do you think it's the right way to go? Um, is it something, again, that uh, the government introduced and, and you're thinking, why do we have to do this plastic bottles, um, glass bottles, cans? Is it too much bother? Or are you looking forward to it? What do you think? Good idea? Bad idea? Let's go to Robert. Robert, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, water. thank you. Yes, I'm okay. Uh, now then, you, yes, sorry. Uh, it's all right. It's okay. You want to talk about the, the bottle situation. What's your thoughts on this? Um, well, councils already recycle glass, aluminium cans, plastics and everything. Um, we are very about everything that's to be recycled goes into the recycle bin. The other thing was my wife buys um, the, the, the carton of um, your other national drink, shall we say, All right. okay. in, in numbers in 24. Does that mean we have to pay 20 pence on each one of those cans? I've, oh, there's, there's a thing, isn't there? If, if you're buying a box or something, then I would a imagine box, yeah. each one will carry the 20 pence, but you're getting the 20 pence back, is, is, aren't you? So you're Well, not... there's, uh, there's quite... Well, I said the council's already collect um, things for recycling. Uh, it means we'll have to take items to a uh, supermarket or something. Uh, I can see it's been quite a handful to, to carry them there. Uh, I certainly couldn't have been partially disabled. Right. Uh, my wife would have to catch a taxi because neither of us drive now. Right. So it's, it's a, I'm just Sorry, thinking. No, I'm just thinking. It's a very good point you're making here because, um, it, uh, you know, if if you have, and most councils, you're right, have uh, collecting schemes, whether it be big bins at the end of a street or or ones that you small. The ones that you put into certain bins you put for recycling. So what we're actually doing, if you put a can or bottles into a recycling bin at the moment, that option is really being taken away from you or it's going to cost you money, isn't it? Yes, it is, yes. And uh, quite an effort, let's uh, say, on our part. Absolutely, yes. To yeah, uh, yeah. return them to um, the new recycling place, if you can call it that. So I, I, I'm just trying to get, I'm getting my head around this now in the fact that, you know, the point that you've raised, that it's that we're paying for something that we might actually, at the moment, recycle anyway through our council. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet it's going to cost us money then to recycle. It costs, costs us money to recycle, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, we'll get a, a, a token or a voucher um, in return for what we recycle, but what do we do with that? Do we give it to charity or take it to the shop? Well, it, it, the, it, the next amount of uh, 24 cans or 48 cans or what? Well, that's it. it. It's, you're going to be paying then, um, if you buy your, your whatever you do in 12s or, or cartons of 24, um, you're going to be tw- paying 24, 20 pences extra. That's, yes. that's yes. quite a bit of money to give away every... every of course there is, yeah. We are poor pensioners, as you know. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> Robert, all the best to you. Have a good Sunday. Thank you very much indeed for your call. Scotland's Talkin', the podcast.
said earlier that we would have uh, we've been trying to get Gerald Mitchell, who runs Aaron Brewery, on the line for his thoughts. And he joins us now. Gerald, good morning to you. How are you this morning? I'm fine and fit and well, thank you very good, much. Good, 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 good. Now, um, Aaron Brewery, a fine place, I have to say, been there a couple of times. What's you your problem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's your problem with this scheme then, Gerald? Well, it's totally impractical, and I mean, you just have to think about recycling glass in Britain. We've only, in Scotland, we've only got one recycling plant, and the head of that plant is saying it's uh, not appropriate and it's not practical. So how where do we think we're going to reprocess all this glass? Uh, so it's, it's just been one of these rushed through government politically motivated schemes that's not really... Um, been thought through in terms of how we would practically do this and is it something that's actually going to work. It's not like a normal recycling scheme where we, we send out casts, for example, to a pub. We mm-hmm. pick up the casts from the pub, we clean them, we refill them, we send them out to the pub. That is what I understand by recycling, not returning bottles which then have to be sent way down south and then have to be brought back as new fresh glass with hundreds of road miles, etc. So it's not even true recycling, in my view. When you say that the, the glass rebottling plant that is in operation at the moment says it won't work, um, what's happening to the glass that we actually recycle? Just going back to, you maybe didn't hear about, we had Robert on the line a few moments ago and he was saying, well, we, we already put our glass bottles away to the council. We recycle them. So is, are we not just looking at doing the same thing, but duplication really here? Well, they, that is what's happening at the moment, but it's only about, uh, I understand, about 50% of all the items they're talking about that are recycled at the moment, and they have a very noble aim to bring that up to about 95%. So nobody's going to dispute that it's a great idea, but it's got to be practical, and it's got to be something that's, uh, that's not open to fraud, something that's not going to be a duplicate of existing services, and not just going to take money away from the council. You produce uh, piles and piles of glass with only one plant. Okay, they invested 25 million in that plant in Scotland. Uh, then you're going to create more glass than they can process. The value of the glass is going to go down. The council is going to get less money for that glass, which it's currently sending for recycling. So it's, it's just not thought through. Mm. Where, where do you see um, it being open to fraud, Gerald? Well, for example, if you're going to have to, uh, t- you're going to have to put some kind of sticker. How are you going to identify a bottle in Scotland as opposed to a bottle in England, where it's been bought? You're going to have to have some kind of label. That would cost us alone in the Aaron Brewery nine thousand pounds to put an extra label on a bottle, just for the, that extra label. Then it's got to go out. If that bottle is then, if it's brought back, it's going to have to be securely kept because we don't want it just going back and landing up being recycled time and time again in one door, out the next, back in again. So you're going to have to have secure transport. You're going to have to have secure logging because if those bottles get sent south and somebody picks them up (laughs) south of the board, just brings them back up, claims they're 20p on them, uh, then we could land up with a fraud as big as the one that happened in Ireland over the wood where, you know, it mm, cost uh, yeah. 5p for wood and you, you got 20p to burn it or whatever it was. So what, what has been the reaction from politicians to your concerns? Well, it's been basically the just restatement of the goal. Well, you know, we have a noble goal. Uh, and yes, we agree with that kind of goal, but it's got to be practical. Things like glass, 
where we've got a good track record and it needs to have the facilities to process the glass locally so that it can be effective. So we need to think this through. The SIBOs uh, against it, that's the, the Association of Brewers, uh, the Scottish Grocery Federations against it. I think they said they were going to fight it tooth and nail. So we've got you know, the industry saying, this is crazy. Where is the infrastructure going to come from? Where are all these local businesses going to find all this extra cash that they're going to have to fork out? It's just stupid, and we should stop and be united with the rest of the United Kingdom, know, against Scottish nationalist policy, but we need to do this together. Otherwise, we're going to land up with potentially four different recycle schemes, four different labels throughout the United Kingdom. That is going to cost me £9,000 a time. Then I'm going to have to differentiate my products in every single market within the United Kingdom. It is crazy. And I, I take it you're not the only um, producer of of liquid goods that thinks this way? No, I mean, the Federation, not just the producers, but, I mean, there are some for it. Don't get me wrong, the supermarket's going to love this because imagine that you, you buy all your, in a rural area, you buy your monthly shop in the supermarket, your kids then take it to the local shop who has to fork out for the returns but doesn't get the main sale, uh, and they have to then store it and keep it. It'll be the, the last nail in the coffin of our rural uh, uh, stores. It, mm. It's silly. It was, uh, it was also um, a thought of uh, our caller, Robert Cumberland, there, when he's saying he buys, you know, maybe um, a case of 24 cans of soft drinks. Um, will he have to pay 20 pence on every can in that case? And I would imagine that's a yes, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, so not just going to be... But then you've got to think about those cans have got to come back. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to pay you for those cans. Where are all these businesses going to find all this extra cash? And the really ridiculous thing about the whole scheme is it's backed by the government. They're going to organise it, but it's the industry that's going to pay for it. So if they land up with a runaway cost like they did with the Scottish Parliament or almost anything else the government has touched, then we're going to land up with a huge bill to pay. And how are small rural businesses going to afford this? Mm. It's just not going to happen. So put the brakes on it now, Gerald. That would be your view. Let's let's get together with the rest of the country and put in a proper scheme that is properly resourced, that is not going to cost the industry a blank check for somebody to come up with a scheme. We we had a presentation from the guys behind this scheme at a a SIBA meeting in in, um, Edinburgh, and it was shot to pieces by every brewer there. It was an incredibly stupid scheme. And uh, they've got to start making exceptions. They've got to start listening to people. And I'm afraid that, you know, I think when political idealism gets ahead of reality, it can be very difficult to change. It was a 700-page document produced. I mean, it's just crazy. Crazy indeed. Well, it's uh, one, I think, that um, many people are keeping their eyes on and... and, uh, Obviously, uh, companies like yourself, who is going to affect um, both financially and, and it, 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 it will surely mean that you have to put an extra uh, plant as well for labelling, etc. Not is that not even more of an investment for you then? Well, it's not. Well, it's not an investment. It's if, if we have a shop on Aaron, so I'm yep. going to have to have facility in the shop. I'm going to have to take space aside. I'm going to have to coordinate all these bottles from potentially other places, and then I'm going to have to package them, presumably have them collected, etc., and sent back to wherever they go for recycling. 
much better to think through a local distribution scheme whereby we can bottle and increase the, maybe the, the, the longevity of the bottle, send them out, collect them, bring them back, wash them, clean them and use them again. That's proper recycling. Indeed. That's effective use of materials. Not this let's get stuff and send it miles and miles away because we don't even have the plants to process the glass in this country, in Scotland. Gerald, thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, with your views on the programme today. Uh, Gerald Mitchell, who runs the Aram Brewery, uh, saying stop, let's think again. Uh, Jenny Hume, we heard from her, who's uh, campaign manager of Have You Got the Bottle, saying it's a great scheme and they've been uh, pushing for it for a long time to come in now. Who's right? Who's wrong? What are your thoughts? treble three twenty twenty four zero one is the number. Agnes is there. Agnes, hello, good morning to you. Morning, Alan. Good morning. Uh, your point, please. My point is that people who have been innovative in the last few years. I know one young man that used to go about and collect empty bottles and return them to a local shop. Mm-hmm. He maybe got a pound and he'd go away for another half hour and come back with another five and get another pound. So... To cut a long story short, I used to work for Barzheim doing the gallery. Right. And the bottles were collected by the delivery men. And they were given a discount for another amount of dip. bottles and had empty bottles. So do you think it's a good scheme to bring it back in then? Are you for this? Uh, I think it could be a good thing if it's looked into properly. Uh, it's just exactly what Gerald was saying. It needs to be looked into to properly. John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Your thoughts on empty bottles then? Has Gerald well, got a point? Well, I would do. I would do away with them altogether and put fonts in shops and give out give out free plastic containers or containers of some kind that you carry about with you. And when you want your iron brew, you go in and you fill it up for the font. And what happens to a, a business like the Aran Brewery on the Isle of Arran who have a, a visitor shop that sells bottles and bottles of the stuff? Do you think they should just pour it all into plastic containers? Is that what you're saying? Maybe that's what I'm saying, yeah, because then it does away with the problem altogether. And you're still getting your iron brew, you're carrying it in a container... You're not getting too much. You're getting enough that suits you. Never mind I am brew. There's lots of other things. I don't want my beer at a plastic container. It's going to be flat by the time I (laughs) go home from Aaron. Come on here, John. Get thinking. Well, I mean, surely there's going to be another way. Everybody's moaning and groaning. It works perfectly well. 20 pence on a bottle. You were getting your bottles back. It worked perfectly well for a long number of years. Then they decided it. They didn't want to do it anymore. Okay, John, thank you very much indeed. Keep those calls coming in. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin. Some comments from Twitter this morning. I fully agree with the deposit return scheme. It's about team time it got introduced to tackle litter. But I would not be comfortable if it got introduced along the we need to get rid of CO2 to tackle climate change. Thank you for that. 
Uh, if any politician were to truly represent the people, they would not be pledging true allegiance to protect only the Queen and the royal family, etc., etc. Thanks for that, OK? Uh, we're asking there, of course, earlier on how you would remember uh, Theresa May or how, what will she be remembered for? And just generally having a look at uh, politics this morning and the way it is. Uh, let's go to, is it Marlene? Hello, Marlene, how are you? Hiya, yes it is Marlene, uh-huh. How are you doing? I'm doing well, well, thank you. Good, good. Your was... comments on what? Toilets. Toilets, right, go for yes. it, go for it, Marlene. Or r- rather, lack of them. I'm in Edinburgh and I've noticed that in the city centre and round about there's a distinct lack of public toilets, so if you're caught short, what do you do? Mm. Well, now, uh, there's a card which is issued by the bladder and bowel com- community, and it says, just can't wait. So, basically, what what you do is you can go into a, a shop Show this card, and they are duty bound to let you use their staff toilets. All right, but I would like to see portaloos in Edinburgh, all around Edinburgh, mm-hmm. because they are very, 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 very clean. They get washed out. Every time you use them. I think the problem is, Marlene, that the councils don't have the money to, to pay for something like that. And because it's not just only uh, around Edinburgh. I mean, the, the major cities and towns and villages across Scotland and, and probably uh, in England as well are, are short because of the the toilets being... Um, the first thing, maybe not the first thing that councils have got rid of, but they've managed to say, right, we don't, we're not legally obliged, as we heard earlier on. Councils in Scotland are not legally obliged to provide uh, toilets. So that's, you know, a saving, an accountant looking down the list there and saying, we can save a staff wage there and we can save on water costs, etc. Marlene, thank you very much indeed. Final call is going to be Ian, I'm afraid, because we've run out of time. Ian, good morning. Morning, Ali. Are we talking about toilets or are we talking about balls? <laughs> you can talk about what you want. You've got a minute right, left. Right, Ali, just on, on the lady there talking about toilets, I would, uh, excuse me, I would say that the uh, the, the post to lose is no bad idea, but very, very expensive. And these are the only kind of things you would have at events. Ali, if I could go to the bottles, you'll mind the day when you would get money back on screw tops. Absolutely, I remember it. I'm not uh, frightened to admit uh, it. No, I was a milk laddie, and uh, we had to carry baskets with eight, eight or ten balls in them. There was a lot of weight in glass balls, but Ali, it was all recycled again. And I know somebody that, that pours his milk out a carton into a ball because he says it keeps fresh. It keeps fresh longer in a bottle. That's a possibility. Ian, thank you very much indeed. Sorry having to cut you off there, but we have run out of time on Scotland's Talking today. Thank you very much indeed for your company. If you missed any of it, you can listen again, of course, uh, on the podcast. Just find that on the station website.